Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. It's great to have you with us here. Hi, everyone. This is your host, John Hagedorn. It's great to have you with us here at 1001 Radio Days. Today, two episodes of Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. Spotting a murderer isn't easy. They don't help. They can be anyone, any age, either sex, rich, poor, or in between. They've got one difference, though. They kill people. The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry Craig speaking. Lots of people shy away from going to a privatized office. I guess they figure it isn't respectable. I guess when you spend a couple of minutes thinking about it, they're right. It isn't respectable. Because it's a confession that something's wrong with their lives. And what's wrong is rarely a bookkeeping error or a mistake in spelling. You don't care for the hamburger, Craig? Huh? Oh, the hamburger's fine, Willie. Then stop looking at it like it was still alive. I wouldn't worry about it. No? No. Even if it was still struggling, your coffee would kill it. What's the matter with the coffee you get at Willie's wagon? Nothing. I'm sure you use only the finest grade of sulfuric acid in it. You got a tender stomach? I doubt it. Uh, I'm still alive. Yeah, fine type of customer I get here. Wise guys. Wise guys? Hmm? Speak to your hamburger. She ain't in your price class. Who? Oh, say, you could be right. That first she's dragging around was contributed by only the highest type minx. You'd better wait on her. She might get impatient. I can't. Huh? I ain't had a manicure in weeks. You are Mr. Craig. I am. I waited outside the building in which you have your office until you left. I followed you here. You're allergic to offices? Well, I couldn't... Uh, Do you mind talking business here? Would you like something to eat or drink? No. Willie, go polish your coffee iron. Huh? Oh, yeah. Well, it don't need it. You're... Viola uh... Henning. Mrs. Viola Henning. Uh Uh-huh. And the business you wanted to talk about was... My husband is... is keeping an appointment tonight, and I want you to, well, to... An appointment with whom? A business associate? No. With a girl. A girl named Muriel. I see. Where? The Bramant Hotel. She works there? No. She's taking a room there. I overheard my husband making the appointment. I don't especially go for divorce cases. Oh, no, it isn't for that. I'd never divorce Dan. I just want to know. What time's the appointment? Eight. And all you want to know is if your husband, in fact, does keep this appointment. Yes. Would $100 be enough? Oh, more than enough. Then here you are. Thanks. You won't tell anyone. Investigators with loose mouths don't last very long, Mrs. Henning. I suppose not. I'll phone you in the morning. Fine. Good night. Good night. Yeah. For that, you need a license? Huh? The babe in the minx. Just a case, Willie, on the face of it. The face wasn't bad. No, but what's underneath? Hello? 
I killed some time with Willie. His feeling is he's a very good gin player. I want enough hamburger for half a dozen cases of acute indigestion and then went on to the hotel grandma. I let the clerk in on my little secret. I told him I was looking for a maiden aunt. For $5, he believed me. I found a Muriel who had booked a room at 8 o'clock. The full name was Muriel Jones. <laughs> Jones. number was 8.07. The time was 20 minutes after 8. I decided I'd be the boy bringing the ice water. Maybe they hadn't ordered ice water. That would be all right. I didn't have any with me. I lifted my hand to knock and I... I didn't get around to it. The door was locked. Nothing happened after the shot, so I knocked after all. Maybe I was naive, but kicking the door in didn't seem practical. I turned out to be right. Mr. Craig! Hello, Mrs. Henning. Mind if I come in? No. No. There was a girl lying on the floor. Her eyes were open, and they stared up at the ceiling of the room. It wasn't a very interesting ceiling, but that didn't matter. She wasn't seeing it. Dead. Who was she? Muriel. The girl I told you. Yeah. Except you didn't mention you were also planning on showing up here. I couldn't help it. I had to see her. She isn't much worth looking at right now. Two-room suite. That the back door? I don't know. Yeah. Back door and fire stairs. What else couldn't you help, Mrs. Henning? You don't have to be so indirect, Mr. Craig. That means what? I killed her. Uh-huh. What's her name? Muriel. Muriel Jones. No. Why do you say no? That dress she's wearing. Too good for a hotel like this. That's the only name I knew her by. Those gloves you're wearing. They're for driving. Well, that is, I wore them so that I wouldn't leave fingerprints. Hmm. It doesn't explain why you didn't use that back door to get out of here after you shot her. I changed my mind about hiding my guilt. Tell me how you killed her. Start outside in the hallway. You came to the door, you knocked. Yes. She opened the door. When and... I came in, she shut the door. She didn't know who I was. I told her. She liked that? It didn't seem to matter to her. I accused her of taking my husband from me. She laughed at me. So I shot her. You had a gun? Yes. You shot her. She fell down and died. You heard me knock, you hesitated, then you opened the door. Yes. I've had time to look around the room. I've looked. What difference does that make? You say you shot her. I did! What did you do with the gun? Eat it? Mrs. Henning didn't have any answers. I found a phone and let her notify Homicide that she'd been out hunting. I left her in that hotel room with a dead girl. Both of them would wait. The butler at the Henning home didn't seem delighted to see me. I think it was my tie bothered him most. I figured if I ever wanted to visit again, I'd get it hand-painted. Johns tells me your name is Craig. Johns tells you the truth, Mr. Henning. Yes. Well, what... I'm I... a confidential investigator. I could show you credentials. Oh, there's no reason to waste them on me. What can I do for you? Is your wife in? My wife? Why, uh, yes, yes, she's upstairs asleep. Asleep? It's a little early for that, isn't it? I don't see how that's any of your concern. I guess you don't. Would you mind asking her to come downstairs? I most certainly would. I'm afraid you'll have to anyway. I don't see why. You're not curious enough about why a private detective is calling? I'm merely assuming that you'll inform me sooner or later. Let's say for the time being that it's because your wife hired me to do a job for her. What job? The information is confidential. I refuse to believe That's that... silly. All you have to do is ask your wife. Well, yes, but... Uh... Or are you afraid to? I resent Don't bother you. resenting. Check with your wife. If she doesn't want to come down, you can throw me out. Well, all right. I didn't know exactly what made him go through with it. Maybe it was because his tie was already hand-painted. Mr. Craig? Yeah? My, uh, my wife isn't feeling very well. She, she can't come down. Uh-huh. When did you see Muriel Jones last? Jones? 
Let's just leave it at Muriel. We'll discuss last names some other time. We won't discuss it at all. You're not very big. I could push you aside and go upstairs. You wouldn't do that. Oh, you're not sure of that. So when did you see Muriel last? Well, why not ask the lady? Oh, there's a technical difficulty. She's dead. She's what? Dead. You're quite serious? It's not a good subject to joke about. Well, how, how did she... She was murdered. Oh. Well, who would want to kill that her? That might depend on who she really was. Her name was Muriel Carter. She sang at the Bright Star. Her voice was very beautiful. She's still dead. I, I, I find that hard to believe. She, she had such, such a rare quality. It didn't stop the murderer. She was, in her way and in our time, a lovely princess. I've heard of the Bright Star... It's run by a man named Thompson. He's short, fat, and greedy. Far as I know, he doesn't hire princesses. Now, what do you mean by that? She sang for Thompson, that's all. And what did she do for you? I think you'd better get out. I'd like to, except I've got a client. I'm in the middle, whether I like it or not. I could say I don't like it, but what good would that do? Did you keep your appointment at the Gramont Hotel tonight? That's none of your... I had no appointment tonight. It might pay you to keep in touch with your wife. Good night, Henning. Good night. Your wife, uh, who's upstairs and not very well. Yes. By this time, she's also downtown having a conversation with the district attorney. Did I say good night? <laughs> Mr. Henning's face over the hand-painted tie wasn't very nice to look at. I stopped looking at it, climbed into my car, and got away from there. It took me a while to notice the black coupe on my tail. When I did, I decided I didn't like it. Halfway down a block, I swung my car across the road and got out. The car tailing me burned brake lining and managed to pull up. Hey, get that car out of my way. What was that? I said get that car out of my way. Maybe you'd better help me. Get out. You're a wise guy something, you're blocking traffic. What traffic? Okay, wise guy, I'll get out. That's better. Hey, you're looking for me? Let go my arm. Who do you think you are? Who do you think I am? Okay. <clears throat> now maybe you won't be so smart. Hmm, that's a nice gun. Got a license for it? You in the license business? No, but... Hey! I'll borrow it. Thanks. You can't. <clears throat> Who put you on my tail? I don't know what you're talking about. Who put you on my tail? You'd like to know, wouldn't you? Hey, you can't get away with beating me up. Am I going to beat you up? Then let go. Actually, I don't know. I could. Look, it won't get you no place. I'm not going anyplace. I've got lots of time for you. Let go of me, will you? How can I? I'm trying to decide. Decide what? Whether to beat you up or not. You got my gun. You're bigger than I am. That's right. So maybe you better tell me. Who put you on me? Mac Thompson. Thompson? The gentleman who runs the Bright Star, huh? Pull your car over to the curb. We're riding mine. I kind of need a star in my life. Especially a Bright Star. His name was Lester. He wasn't very brave without a gun. Gunmen rarely are. He pulled his car over to the curb, got into mine, and we went to the Bright Star. We didn't disturb the customers. We used a back entrance, the kind of entrance I was accustomed to. Private investigators don't rate socially. This here's Mr. Thompson's office. Don't knock. Uh, Mr. Thompson. Lester, what are you doing here? He's trailing me. He trailed me right into your office, Thompson. I, I had a little trouble with him. He's got my gun. Indeed. And you'd be, uh... Craig. Barry Craig. Oh, a boy with a license. I might mention that Lester has a license for that gun of his, too. Makes it nice for the city taxes. You, uh, could get into trouble taking his gun, Craig. He could get into worse trouble pointing it at people. Well, he threw his weight around, Mr. Thompson. All right, get out, Lester. Okay, only... You ain't sore at me, Mr. Thompson. I couldn't help Get it. Get out. Yeah, Mr. Thompson. Yeah. Lester isn't a very strong character. I wasn't a character analysis of Lester that brought you here, Craig. No. Now, I don't want any trouble with you. I don't think you want any with me. I have a friend or two in the department. That's nice. That license you own uh, has to be renewed every year. Now you're frightening me. <laughs> I have no intention to. Merely making things clear. Thanks. Now, would you make it clear why you put Lester on my tail? I didn't. He, uh, misunderstood his instructions. Uh-huh. How was Muriel's act tonight? Muriel? Muriel Carter. Well, she didn't appear tonight. Why not? Well, you know how these things are. I don't. Thompson, where were you around, uh, 8.15 tonight? Here. Reading a good book. How many witnesses? 
Mm, four, eight, how many would you like? You've got a large payroll. Thank you. Now that you've stopped imitating a detective, what happened at 8.15 tonight? Muriel Carter quit the Bright Star. You practicing to be a theatrical agent? Two bullets hit her. Oh? Now, sorted. Not to mention fatal. You know something? I'd like to have the gun those bullets came out of. At 8.15 uh, tonight, I was here reading a good book. Eight witnesses, Craig. That ought to be enough. Thompson. Yes? I don't believe the performance. I beg your pardon? You're playing it too tough, too straight. Which means? I think you went for her. That may be true. It's a habit of mine. I've seen her. More than habit, Thompson. She was worth a gross of your ordinary stock. Possibly. So I'm all broken up inside by the news. It wasn't news. Why was Lester staked out at the Henning home? Good night, Mr. Craig. I'm still looking for that gun. Good night. The hallway outside Thompson's office had run out of lights. It was dark, and I headed for the floor quick, but halfway down, I found out it wasn't entirely my own idea. <laughs> you get knocked unconscious, and it's dull for a while. Because you're unconscious. But after a while, things change. Something began to pound. It must have taken me 20 minutes to discover it was my own head. I lifted it off the ground, and the air smelled good, which meant I traveled. There were trees around in the sky. From which handful of facts I deduced I was out in the country. The gun someone had been careful to put in my hand was still warm. I got to my feet and crossed over to him. He was lying a dozen feet away. Dying hadn't improved his looks any. Lester was very dead. It wasn't a frame-up especially. It wouldn't stick. But it did help use up time. Time? For what? Headquarters had a nice green lamp burning outside. Trouble with hanging around police headquarters is you can't ever lock the front door. Hello, Lieutenant Rogers. Anybody comes in, even... Hold on a minute while I look around and whisper. Even private detectives. Some fun. Barry, you're not your usual blithe and buxom self. No background. If you start dragging in my college degree... Hide your Phi Beta Kappa key and send a couple of your boys out to my car. There's something different about your car tonight? Yeah. I've got a corpse in it. Oh, a ducky... Anybody I know? I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, say, Trav, I'd, I'd like to talk to Mrs. Henning. Mm, I've seen her. I'd like to talk to her, too. What? The uh, district attorney didn't care for her confession. She didn't have a gun to go with it. So he threw her out. How long ago? An hour, maybe. Why? I want to talk to her. You're keeping it on a very high moral plane. Barry, why do you think she confessed to the killing? Maybe because she loved her husband. I understand it happened. It must be something special. Sure. Wears hand-painted ties. So long, Tram. Uh, would you like company? I talk very politely. Forget it. I'll be back later. Maybe I'll even tell you about the corpse you've got. My head didn't feel too good. Maybe I was wrong. I'd find out. The Henning house was dark when I got to it. I didn't worry about the butler much. It turned out that I didn't have to. The front door was open. The skating rink they used for a foyer was dark, but a line of light under the door down the hall told me where I wanted to go. Nobody noticed my low bow as I went through the door. Oh, oh Mr. Craig! Which way? The window. Caught a taillight going around the corner outside. There's nothing special about a taillight. I was late. Mrs. Henning. She fainted. It was a break for her. She could stop looking at her husband. As for him, maybe he was looking at something, but it wasn't anything a pair of living eyes could see. Lieutenant Rogers, homicide. 
Trav? Barry. I'm at Mrs. Henning's home. Yeah. It also used to be Mr. Henning's home, but he won't be living here anymore. He's moving into smaller quarters. Underground. of time to settle down with your husband's death. It isn't possible. It's possible. It happens all the time. But who could have done That's for later. You wouldn't want to confess to this murder, too, would you? How can you say things like that? Practice. I need a little information quick. The truth, maybe. What happened at the Grammont Hotel? For real? The hotel? I got there after Dan did. From the hallway, I could hear him and that girl calling. And then the shots. I wanted to run, but I went in. Dan wasn't there, but... Oh, I can't go on with this. You don't have to. Just hang around and greet the cops, huh? No matter how many times you've seen the dead, they still don't appeal to you. Even with hand-painted ties. I concentrated on the furnishings. They were nice. They weren't the kind of stuff you buy if you're a private investigator. I stopped being morbid and just waited for the cops. They came. I uh, brought a few friends along, Barry. Do you mind? I don't mind, Trav. I was worried. Where's the object of our affections? Over near the window. I uh, hope he hasn't left. Hmm. He hasn't left. Uh, Boys, make with the routine, huh? Wouldn't he uh, cash a check for you? I'm not killing people this week. Mrs. Henning? No. Henning was shot from outside the window. Mrs. Henning was in the room when I arrived and heard the shots. That's nice. Maybe it's the perfect crime. Maybe. Mrs. Henning's in her bedroom. I imagine she'll wake up if you knock. So long. And uh, where, if I'm not too inquisitive, would you be going? You're too inquisitive. Barry! Don't worry about it. All I'm doing is looking for a star to hitch a wagon to. A death wagon. I figured Mr. Thompson wouldn't be expecting action very quick. I'd been lucky, or maybe it was just because my head was so hard. I'd come to after the sapping in a hurry. I'd been in a hurry since then. I was still in a hurry. Who is it? I didn't build that door very strong. Craig. Craig. Hello, Thompson. You wrecked that door. I'm too stupid to knock. Hold it where you are. What a nice big gun you've got, Grandma. I said stop. Okay. I'm up against your desk anyway. Nice hunk of mahogany. What do you want? You. Look, I'm in no mood. This isn't comedy. I want you for murder, Thompson. Why don't you come and get me? I will if I have to. You under the impression you're bulletproof? I'm glad you reminded me. Very nice hunk of mahogany. Pity you'd gotten your way. I hadn't hit him very hard. He came to after a while, and we went down to headquarters. Barry, where... Did I go after Henning died? I went to collect Mr. Thompson here. He's going to stay for a while. You might mention a few charges. Sure. Murder. Murder of a man named Lester. Murder of a man named Dan Henning. Good enough? Very good. Any objections, Thompson? No objections. I killed Lester. He was a weak character. Craig made a point of it. He was tying me in too tightly. The boy's got good grammar. I'm appreciating it. How about Henning? Why kill him? Because he murdered Muriel... You didn't know her, did you? He murdered Muriel. And even now, with me where I am, I can almost figure it's worth it. You see, I did know her. I left Thompson with Lieutenant Rogers. Maybe, according to his own bookkeeping, he'd been right. I'd seen Muriel Carter and was willing to give him an outside doubt. My job wasn't finished, though. I had a final report to make to my client. Mr. Craig. Yeah. 
Mind if I come in? I don't think I'll ever mind anything anymore. Come in. Thank you. Police are gone. They took Dan. They... You better sit down. Yes, hadn't I? You hired me. I've got to finish things up. Things? What things? I didn't know there was anything left. Oh, nothing important, but... Uh... Mrs. Henning, did your husband ever wear driving gloves? No. Or any other kind? No, he didn't. Hmm. Thompson's been arrested. Thompson's the man who killed your husband. Oh. Well, that won't help Dan, will it? No. Thompson was in love with Muriel Carter. <laughs> he had company. The only thing is, uh, Thompson wasn't the one who killed Muriel. I know. My What does it matter? That confession you handed me at the hotel didn't make very much sense without the gun. That's what the district attorney said. The cops found the gun. Did they? It belonged to your husband. They found his prints on it. Very clear prints. Why bother? Too clear. Too clear, Mr. Craig? That's right. But... A man fires a gun. The prints tend to be smudged a bit from handling. But suppose a gun is wiped clean. Then the man's fingers are carefully pressed on the handle. Then you'd have his prints. But they'd be too clear. I never knew that. I guess you didn't. Why are you telling all this to me? You're my client. Your husband didn't wear gloves. The police give a murder suspect the paraffin test. Matter of routine. You see, when a man fires a gun, small powder particles are embedded in the skin. Oh? Your husband hadn't fired a gun recently. Well, but... Look, I'm tired. I'm not sure what you're trying to say. With Dan dead, they've got his murderer. Why did they make all these tests? Well, I suggested it. Because Muriel Carter was registered at the Grammont Hotel as Muriel Jones. She was ashamed. A club singer? Working for a man like Thompson? She was going to meet Dan. She... No. She didn't take that room for romance. She took it for a meeting with you. This is so confusing. Uh-uh. You were jealous. You hated Muriel Carter. You arranged that meeting at the Grammont Hotel. You suggested she register under an assumed name. It would look uh, shadier that way. Shadier? To who? Me, the private detective you hired in good faith. Oh. You let your husband know about the meeting. That's why he was there. That's why he took the gun away with him. That's why he lied to me later, said you were upstairs sleeping. That isn't why Excuse I... Excuse me, I... I should have said how. The why was because he may have loved you once. You made your confession, nobody believed. Thompson figured your husband for the killer and killed him in turn. But there was something wrong. The paraffin test showed your husband hadn't killed Muriel Carter. Then who did? I'm a funny kind of investigator, Mrs. Henning. Most guys in my business get cynical. They wouldn't believe you if you told them the time, unless you had 39 witnesses and a testimonial from your neighborhood church. And you? Oh, I'm different. I always believe a client. That's why we better get started, Mrs. Henning. We're going... Downtown, headquarters. Where they'll put you under arrest for murder. One way or another, the evidence is all there. You see, when you made that confession in the hotel room, I believed you. Good night, folks. See you next week. You have been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, Fatal Appointment, was written by Lou Vittis. Next week, it's the strange story titled The Deadly Fight, about which Barry Craig has this to say. Next week, I meet a widow who can't find tears, an obituary notice in search of a corpse, and a boxing champ whose biggest win is a fight strictly off the record. See you next week, folks. Featured in the role of Viola was Joan Alexander. Barry Craig, starring William Gargan, was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Don Pardo speaking.
Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Thursday evening on NBC, enjoy comedy with Robert Young as he tries to convince the rest of the family that without a doubt, father knows best. Then lovely Rosemary Clooney is guest vocalist with Guy Lombardo and the orchestra on your hit parade. And for high adventure, join Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons, as he investigates the alcoholic bride murder case. Then Saturday, it's the camel caravan with Vaughn Monroe and his orchestra. Now enjoy Meredith Wilson's Music Room on NBC. William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. The fellow in the driver's seat is always much better off, folks. Especially if it's the mog wagon. The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry Craig speaking. A thing that defeats a confidential operator is his heart. I don't mean the wear and tear that comes of chasing creeps around the landscape. Heart. Meaning the way you get involved emotionally with a case or a client. Like a doctor gets involved with a patient or fights not to. The human angle. You go for it with a tear in your eye and a throb in your throat. And you're no longer working for a fee. No, sir, you're a dedicated sucker, like I was in the case of Boxer Doyle, a ring champ of his day. My first introduction to the strange Boxer Doyle story began in the Times Square Penny Arcade. I'd stopped in for two bits worth of practice on the rifle range, and so I could check on whether a punchy-looking guy in an Eisenhower jacket had been dogging it after me as I suspected he was. The Eisenhower jacket was watching my marksmanship all eyes. I can shoot okay, huh, friend? Yeah, bullseye every time. There's a fly squatting on your ear. Watch how I do. I said you were good. You don't have to prove anything. 46th and Park, then west to Broadway, then south to here. Why so attached to me, friend? I was making up my mind. About? Whether you were the guy for the job, Craig. And? I'm throwing my business your way. Lay down the rifle, I tell you. I can't wait to hear only an hour's work, nothing complicated, everything on the up and up. So much for the preamble. You represent me confidentially in an auction sale at the Phoenix Galleries tonight. What am I bidding on? A diamond belt that once belonged to Boxer Doyle when he was welterweight champ. Mrs. Doyle's put it up for sale. I want it. Why? Sentiment. Boxer Doyle's been one of my heroes. You can still bid on it yourself. You don't want the job? How much can I be losing? Five hundred. I pay for an hour's work. Get me the diamond belt. What's the ceiling, Mr... Uh... Bid up to 5000 if you have to. And if I'm outbid? I don't think so. It's been appraised at only 1500 Hmm. Sentiment is expensive. Come to a side. I'll count you out the dome. Sentiment wearing a fancy price tag. I sat in at the Phoenix Gallery. There wasn't too much bidding competition. I'm bid $2,000, ladies and gentlemen, for the diamond belt. $2,000. Going once, going twice. $2,500. $2,500. I'm bid $2,500. Bid lively, please. $2,500. Going once, going twice. Are there any more bids? Fair warning. Sold to... Craig. Barry Craig. I turned the belt over to Mr. Mooney, collected my five bills, and wrote them off as a sentimental screwball. A weird deal, kind of, but legitimate on the face of it. So why push my imagination? Another day, another dollar, I figured it. That is, until Lieutenant Trav Rogers popped into Ranzini's pizzeria to drop a poison pellet in my minestrone soup. How's the uh, soup, Craig? Nine parts water, one part can, as usual. A bowl of minestrone, Tony. 
Mind company, Craig? The eats are public. Just don't jostle my elbow. I never do when a man's eating soup. Police protocol? Emily Post. Oh. I uh, came across an interesting item in the morning paper. There are Iranians in Iran. Back page. Where they put the fellas not at ease. I'm reading. Diamond Belt, once presented a box of Doyle by the Sports Writers Award Committee, was sold by the Phoenix Auction Galleries by order of Mrs. Boxer Doyle. The belt was purchased by Barry Craig, whose successful bid was $2,500. You spend money, Craig. What's money for? Same morning paper. An inside page now. A muckraking column titled Sports Topics. I'm reading... Memo to the police. The auctioning of Boxer Doyle's diamond belt at the Phoenix Galleries last night prompts an old question. What did happen to Doyle? And who's covering up why? Who'd you buy that belt for, Craig? Why such a guess? You're not rich enough. Or sentimental enough. It's confidential, sorry. Think again. And eat soup? Boxer Doyle disappeared years ago. Dropped out of sight, dropped out of the world. The police handled it as a missing persons case. We got nowhere. Now, this business of the belt might be the first significant development in a sticker we've long given up on. You can hope. I want to ask your client about his expensive interest in the box of Doyle Diamond Belt, just on the chance. I'll ask him. Now, Craig... I owe him that much discretion, Trav. I'll ask him, then you ask him. I went to ask Mooney. A flea-bitten hotel in the East Twenties where the desk clerk looked like he was dying to frisk you before letting you climb the stairs. Room 4A. I'd been there before, delivering the belt. Craig, you forgot something? Yeah, a footprint. I must have left it somewhere on the rug. Pick it up and go. Go where you're going? You use your eyes a lot. I'd be blind not to see your suitcases, packed and ready. I'm moving downstairs. Fourth floor's too high up. I get nosebleeds and altitude. You're going to turn out to be a pest. I am? Look, you've been paid. Generously. No quarrel. Then ring off. Go look for your next job. This thing keeps building, and I've got my next job. Mysteries fascinate me. I made a mistake throwing work your way. Craig, what do you want? Answers. What's your real interest in the missing box of Doyle? I'm only interested in this belt. Standing pat on your story, huh? People collect General Grant's platoons and John L. Sullivan's gloves. You've got a personal hero. And you're crazy sentimental. Okay, then. Let's go. That sounds like police headquarters. I promised you to a lieutenant if I got nowhere. You object? You tell me. You object? How'd you do it? Sleight of hand? I ought to kill you. Good you're fighting the impulse. You park here while I move downstairs. When you come to, Craig, change your thinking. I'll make a sincere effort. I won't turn the gun around the next time. There was no use trying to change my thinking. When I came to, the only thought in my head was how to get out of a locked closet. Get out before I died of suffocation. At headquarters, Trav Rogers was overjoyed at the lump on my head. Craig, the violence means something. My aching head. It means there's life in a case that's been in the doldrums for years. Again, I say you hope. Go to it, Craig. What does that mean? Find out what happened to Boxer Doyle and who did it to him. Come again? Now, Craig, don't be coy. You want me to work up a case the police gave up on? That's right. On whose behalf? What client? Me. You're representing me very confidentially. The department has a stake in it. Nothing less say than, than its honor... We've been pilloried by the press, sniped at by columnists, abused by a thousand sports fans who love Boxer Doyle and who idolize his memory. Let's see the file on Boxer Doyle. No. Our files merely tell the story of a failure. Then where do I start? There are two important principles after Boxer Doyle himself. 
Mrs. Doyle and Sam Spiro. Spiro was Doyle's manager and close friend. Barry, I won't forget this favor. Don't forget one other thing. What's that? My fee, client. Want to commit yourself now? Why not? The best dinner in town at 21. Steak, caviar, champagne. Corona, Corona cigars bigger than chimney stacks. All on me if you come through. And if I flop? Hot dogs and an orange drink. On you. I'll take the proposition up with my ulcer. Mrs. Boxer Doyle, Wilma Doyle, had a henna bleach and the telltale look of an ex-showgirl a little too old and frayed around the edges for the chorus line. What's this visit about, Mr... Craig, uh... Barry Craig. Hmm. I explained over the phone. I'm a police operative wondering about the whereabouts of Boxer Doyle. Isn't it a little late to be wondering? Maybe. I'll concede that when I say hello to his corpse. But you talk to me. I've done nothing but talk to the police for years. But never to me. I'm fed up talking. He's gone. He went out for a comic book one night and never came back. Did he leave you comfortably fixed? All the gold I could carry in my teeth. Doyle was a fast man with a buck. He even tried handing me cigar coupons for table money. <laughs> Look around you, copper, and tell me this dump reminds you of Buckingham Palace. Almost. I miss the crystal chandeliers. The next world champ, Doyle made barrels of dough. And salted it away where I couldn't touch it. Who could and can? Sam Spiro, his manager. Sam's got the power of attorney over everything Doyle owned. Except me. And that diamond belt you auctioned off the other night. <laughs> Doyle gave it to me in a weak moment. All in all, there was no love loss between you and Boxer Doyle. We fought all the time. Doyle scored KOs that don't appear in the records. Why would he pick up and disappear? Whams in his head. Toward the end of our happy marriage, Doyle was 90% off his rocker. I slept with a gun under my pillow in case he went berserk. What had him down? His career was behind him. He'd hung up his gloves. Sour, disappointed, and depressed. Hey, you ought to be all out of questions. One more. Who's in the bedroom? What, what kind of a stupid... The door's open a little. It wasn't when I came in. Who's getting an earful? My boyfriend. Boyfriend? Is it a crime? Doyle walked out here nearly eight years ago. Steve, come out and be introduced. This is Steve Marcy. Steve Barry Craig. A pleasure. It isn't mutual. Steve! Shut up, Wilma. He's not here for your good. I got an earful, Craig, and a line on your angle. Which is? To weasel and browbeat Wilma out of her rights as Doyle's widow. Said rights being? An accounting of every penny Sam Spiro holds of Doyle's and Wilma's right to cash in Doyle's insurance. If Doyle's dead. He's dead. Legally, anyhow. Enough time has elapsed. You're petitioning the court to have Doyle declared legally dead? Wilma is. Oh. I don't like that wise guy, oh. You're so full of dislikes, Buster. And ready to demonstrate. Oh. Ooh. Nice right cross. Was it just knuckles or... Brass knuckle. My bare fists. You're a boxer? I'm a boxer. <laughs> the lady's preferences run on a single track. Get out, Craig. Sure. But not the way I am. I don't mind nursing my jaw. But not my back. <laughs> when the contender comes to, tell him he's a sucker for an uppercut. I'm sorry, Mr. Craig. Skip it. I'm out to weasel you, he said. That's both true and false, Wilma, depending on how the facts develop. The guy drops out of the world, and his deserted wife turns out to have a profit motive and an eager boyfriend with an itching palm. A situation like this pops an ugly word into my head. Murder. On the street a few doors down from Wilma's tenement palace, somebody blew over to me with the evening mists. Mind company, Craig? No. Provided you don't say goodbye to me in locked closets. Keep walking. I sense a gun, but I don't see it. You've seen me draw? Yeah. Regular sleight of hand. Jumping me would be a mistake. I never want that spelled on my tombstone. How much, Craig? How much for what? For you to hop a plane to Tijuana. What's there? High lie. 
Never played it. You're bright. You'll learn. Is it expensive? Only if you lose. What's the maximum I can lose? Five grand. When I go, I go. Eight. You'd blow me to an eight grand vacation? You got rings under your eyes. Keep getting hit on the head, you'll lose your mind. That's no joke. You need to knock off. Rest up. Stick your hand out for the dough. You really want me to forget about Boxador? No changing the subject. We were talking about eight grand. But what if I'm busting with curiosity about Boxador? Craig, don't be funny. No fooling. I'm still kid enough to be glory struck over famous sports figures. Enough to be sentimental, like you're sentimental. You don't want the dough? What good's my sitting in Tijuana with my mind on something else? I want to know what happened to Doyle. Where did he go? And if murdered, who killed him? And where is the corpus electi? Walk ahead of me. Keep walking. I'm going to get shot in the back? Maybe. Or maybe not. Maybe today. Maybe tomorrow. Walk. Walk away from a gun. You don't have to feel the lead to feel shot. You imagine it. A sudden burning heat in your spine. So hot, it's ice cold. But Mooney didn't shoot. I just walked away from him into the fog. I finally located Sam Spiro in Kelleher's gymnasium. Collodion and Arnica. The place smelled like a surgeon's office. Watch that left. Spiro was watching one of his pugs work out. Sam Spiro! Uh, whatever it is, saving, I'm busy. Your boy will keep while we talk. Look, look, I told you. Hey, who are you? Barry Craig. Process server? Confidential investigator. Is that the same as a cop? It is. I say what you mean. If you'll transfer your interest from your meal ticket a minute, I will. Hey, I'm not under arrest. Depends on what's on your conscience. Come on. Watching the kid will only aggravate you. You think he's that bad? His arms are too short. Come over where we can talk. Make it snappy. Okay. Where's the body buried? Whose body? Boxer Doyle. What makes you think Doyle's dead? I think you killed him so you could keep the dough. He let you hold for him. <laughs> or you blew the dough in. The stock market, the horses. <laughs> so you knocked off Doyle to avoid an accounting and prosecution. <laughs> when you stop hiding behind a counterfeit lab... Doyle's as alive as you. Flattery won't help you. What makes you so sure he's dead? Eight years. Where does a celebrity keep himself eight years? On an island. What island? Samoa. Doing what? Painting. He got fed up with people. He bought a paint box and a roll of canvas and swam to an island. Where else does he keep himself? On a mountaintop. He grew a beard and he's writing the story of his life. He's in touch with you? All the time. We're like Corsican brothers, Doyle and me. We communicate all the time. Uh, uh, give me the word I can't think of. Telepathy. That's it, telepathy. Every night, promptly 11 p.m., there's a message on my wavelength. What does it say? It says, Sam, why can't people mind their own business? Signed, Boxer. How much loot of Doyle's are you holding? I'll remember to count it sometime. When's Doyle reappearing from wherever he is? That message I ain't received yet. Now I gotta get back to my boy. Yeah. Better go wipe his nose or he'll begin bawling for his mama. Over steak burgers and curlicue potatoes, I ran over what I had with Trav Rogers. So Doyle's both alive and dead. Depending on whose angle you see it from. Doyle alive, but on the world, incognito somewhere. Keeps Spiro in charge of Doyle's assets. And keeps Mrs. Doyle out in the cold. In a crisis... What do you bet Spiro even produces phony picture postcards from Doyle? And Mrs. Doyle's calling Doyle dead for her own practical reasons. Insurance and forcing a widow's legal accounting from Spiro. Either one could have murdered Doyle and disposed of the body. Either one or their boyfriend Steve. Or the mysterious Mooney. Mooney puzzles me. He was the gunman who originally did the dirty work? For Wilma or Spiro? Either one. And now Mooney's busy seeing that the case doesn't get off the ground. Blow hot. I could buy it if one thing didn't stick out. What thing? 
the diamond belt. Mooney's reason for the purchase. Uh, there I'm stumped. Where do you go from here? For uh, a ride, I think. A ride? Parked on the street side of the plate glass. Eyeing me and waiting for me. But don't look now. Who? My shadow. The Eisenhower jacket. Mooney. I'm going out. To nab him? No. To give him all the rain he wants. I've got a feeling he's finally provoked enough to tell me something. But the risk is... He could have killed me twice, but didn't. I'll leave the tip. The check's all yours, Lieutenant. I didn't wait to be coaxed to take a ride. I guessed you were waiting to show for me, Mooney. You've got nerve, Craig. You've noticed, huh? And gall. You sure made a study of me. Uh, I won't even bother asking our destination. I'll trust you. Our destination turned out to be the home of a man whose shingle outside a big rambling estate read Dr. Otto Steiner. A round little nervous man, Steiner, with fluttering hands. It was plain to see that Steiner didn't relish the upcoming session. Tell Craig about Boxer Doyle, Doc. Tell Craig, yes. Uh, I treated Boxer Doyle. Get to it, Doc. Tell Craig the condition Doyle was in. Uh, depressed to a manic state. His vitality, the splendid energies and physique that had carried him so far in his Spell career... Spell it out in a word, Doc. Well, Doyle had a wish to self-destruction. He, he told me he had attempted his own life on two occasions. That, that is about all, I suppose. That wraps it up. Not so fast, Mooney. Doc, Doyle was in treatment when he disappeared? Yes. How long had you known Boxer Doyle? Oh, a very long time, Mr. Craig. I was his personal physician and friend for a long time before his breakdown. Let's get out of here, Craig. Kind of a fast shuffle, Mooney. Is it deliberate? I said let's get out of here. Mooney tacked on a postscript to the doc's testimony over drinks in the nearest roadside tavern. A small beer for me and lots of drinks for Mooney, like a guy drowning a painful memory. You heard the doc, Craig? What were you to Doyle? My name isn't Mooney. Barley. Trainer Barley. Trainer Barley? Fame rubs off. I was a ranking contender once until Doyle flattened me. Sorry, I can quote you baseball batting averages and pitches. When Doyle stopped me, I joined up with him. As Doyle's trainer. As Doyle's friend. You were really close to Doyle, huh? I worshipped the guy. When Doyle went, the book closed for me, too. Now you know why I bought in that belt. Yeah, now I know. Now you know why I didn't bid it in myself. You didn't want to be identified as Trainer Barley. I didn't want any publicity on it. Sob stuff in the papers. The $64 question, mister. My advice still is... Don't ask it, Craig. Do like I've been coaxing you all along. Cancel out. Take a vacation. Forget Doyle. The $64 question, mister. You'll be stuck keeping a secret. Maybe. You blab what I tell you. Make like a cop. Disgrace Doyle and I'll kill you. Doyle tried twice, the doc said. There was a third try. You're saying that Boxer Doyle committed suicide... Right in front of me, on a cabin cruiser, fishing off the Florida Keys. Doyle was better, I thought, laughing, cracking jokes, working on a suntan. I, I took my eyes off him. He went over the side. Period. Six hours later, I found him washed against the rocks. I buried him at sea in the middle of the night. Your reason? What do you think? Disgrace. 
Your word, disgrace. Suicide was a disgrace. Doyle was a heroic legend. You didn't want any tarnish on it. Not then or now. So close your file on Doyle, Craig, and live. Come on, I'll drive you back to town. No, thanks. I'll stick around here for a while. Way out here? What for? Tie on a bun, maybe. Like you did. What are you up to, Craig? I could be sad and sentimental. Like you're sad and sentimental. Good night, mister. When Trainer Barley tore himself away, I got on the phone. Headquarters, relay this message to Lieutenant Trav Rogers and quick. He's to meet Barry Craig at Dr. Otto Steiner's in Wentmore, out in Nassau County, as fast as he can make it. Leaving the tavern to hitch a ride to Doc Steiner's, trainer Barley tried to make good on a threat. Barley shooting from the concealment of roadside bushes. I'd need surgery and electric therapy to recover the use of my left hand. I found my own bush. I warned you the secret would be hard to keep, Craig. Call a lie by its right name, mister. I saw you go to the phone. Now come and get the rest of my gun. I order you to surrender, Barley. You're not in the penny arcade now, Craig. No shooting at sitting ducks. Barley, it's a lost cause. The legend's not half the size of your crazy sentimental fanaticism. Give up, Barley. I'm finding the range, Craig. I've found the range. Your voice was the range, Barley. Crawl into the open on your hands and knees or I'll shoot to kill. Later, after patching up Barley's leg wounds in a private hospital behind Otto Steiner's residence, Trav Rogers and I got to meet Boxer Doyle in the flesh. Gentlemen, this is Boxer Doyle. A shrunken man, half as big as the sports world remembered him. He sat in a chair facing a window, vacant to his surroundings, deaf to our voices. Around his waist was a diamond belt, Held in place by pins. This was the secret Trainer Barley risked his life to keep? And Sam Sparrow. Only his wife knew nothing. A rare disease of the spine. Malignant. Doyle fell away bit by bit to what you see. How long, Doctor? Not long. He has nothing left. Only his magnificent fighting heart. Trav. Yes, Craig. When the story gets out, I'm taking over. As crazy fanatic as trainer Barley. Any tarnish on the legend of a great champ, I'll break heads. Good night, folks. See you next week. been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, The Deadly Fight, was written by John Robert. Next week, it's the strange story titled The Very Odd Job, about which Barry Craig has this to say. Next week, I'm hired to deliver a puppet, watch a girl faint, discover a vintage murder, and realize that the only thing that's black as it's painted is a coffin. See you next week, folks. Featured in the role of Mrs. Doyle was Fran Collin. Barry Craig, starring William Gargan, was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Don Pardo speaking.
Robert Montgomery presents something different in news analysis on NBC. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days. We always appreciate reviews, and we appreciate your sharing our show with others. We'll be back soon.